Hello and welcome to another episode of Bros 3 Podcast for June 7, 2020. And in the midst of these trying times, I hope you're out there living your best life. And I also hope that you're making life a little bit better for people. Maybe people who don't look like you, maybe in different economic, social circumstances. But I digress. All right. So May 25th, 2020, I have vaguely heard that an a black man was killed by uh, police officers. Didn't really pay too much attention. I hate to say it, but sometimes we get numb to those sort of things. So Wednesday, a couple more uh, pieces of evidence or the scope of what happened actually started to kind of come to light. Wednesday, the victim was given a name, George Floyd. And the circumstances started becoming a little bit more evident right again did not really want to engage in that situation but i kept hearing about it and i started hearing um saturday night at work i started hearing that there was uh protests and riots and all this other situation and at work i had i work with predominantly well all white people so i had an old White lady, uh, mid sixties. She's watching the news, and she was, she was asking me. She like, Tony, why is this going on? And you know, as the only black person in my job, sometimes I have to be the ambassador for the black people, or the black race, or maybe civil unrest or something like that. And she wasn't. At, she was generally asking a question like, "Why is this going on? I don't understand." And I kind of gave a short answer and as I went about my job a a white man uh, maybe mid-40s part of a um, I don't know what you call it not necessarily a hate group but for lack of a better word a hate group Uh, he he's known to you know believe certain things about certain races and the dominance of other races he said Tony uh, like what's going on like why is this going on and, again, we had kind of the same conversation. And he was like, yeah, but black people are tearing up their own neighborhoods. Like, what does that accomplish? And I had to break it down to this man. I said, what makes it our neighborhood? The fact that we live there, that's our environment. But <coughs> if we're tearing down our neighborhoods, ours, that that word means you own something. You have a stake in it. And, yeah, we live in certain neighborhoods, but we don't own anything in that neighborhood most times. The corner store is owned by somebody who is not necessarily part of the community or maybe it's not black. Uh, The house that most people stay in is maybe not owned by them, maybe owned by a person from another race. And maybe they don't even live in that neighborhood. So what makes it our neighborhood? Just because our bodies are there? And he said, I, I get it. And I, I said, it's more of a, when people get angry, you know, and they get frustrated, they're going to act out. Maybe not in their best self-interest, but rage can only be suppressed for so long. Injustice can only be suppressed for so long. But, again, went about my day, and I figured that maybe I need to, need to inform myself of the situation. So Sunday morning, 
I get off of work and I'm walking my dog, walking Anthony. Now, six in the morning, I'm wearing my uniform and I'm walking toward the park. And I do understand that there is a uh, certain amount of animosity toward law enforcement. I saw people I've been friends with for 20 years saying that no police is a good police. All cops are bad cops. And she said, I said what I said. She stood by that. I looked at the comment for a long time. And I was like, I'm not a cop, but I'm in law enforcement. But I know that's anger talking. I know anger clouds judgment. So anyway, I'm walking my dog. Sun's coming up. And I couldn't watch the video. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of seeing people last moments of fear and anger being caught on TV and just looped, you know, for YouTube likes, clicks, and subscribes and stuff. That's, that's insensitive and humane. And I think ultimately it desensitizes us. So... As I walked, uh, I put on a video, but I just listened. I just listened to the audio. And uh, as I was walking, and hearing, hearing uh, George Floyd's last moments on earth, I, even in the midst of the hot sun coming up, I could feel goosebumps. I felt a shiver of cold. Like, shoot down me, and my eyes start tearing up. And uh, I kept walking. Kept walking, went home. Uh, I had to go to work again uh, Sunday night. So, <clears throat> again, I put on this uniform. Um, and before I went to work, because I was working midnight shift, so before I go to work, I stopped. I made a stop at a Family Dollar, or Family Express, or Family General. No, one of those dollar stores. I always get them confused. The Dollar General, and the Dollar Tree, and the Family Dollar. And someone say, "Oh, it's real easy to remember because one of them only sells things for a dollar." Yeah, but they all got dollar in the title, so I get them confused. I digress. So I stop off at the Dollar Store. That's what it was. But oddly enough, everything in there wasn't a dollar. So I mean, total uniform. I got my mask on my face. Um, so before I go in, I stop. I kind of look in the building, and I don't see a lot of people in there. And I'm trying to decide if even being a black man in this uniform, would I be, be perceived as a threat because my face is covered? So I decide to take the mask off. I'm going out. There's only like three people in there. I'll I'll take that risk because I don't want to be seen as a threat, right? So as soon as I walk in the store, there's a kid, five-year-old white kid, just standing there unaccompanied. So I kind of look around looking for an adult for this kid. I don't see one, and he's got a little he's got a little look on his face. And as soon as he sees me, I come through the door. As soon as he sees me, he walks up to me and says, "I can't find Holly." And I was like. No, I'm sorry. He said, I got to use the bathroom. And I was like, okay. So now I'm looking at it as as a black man. There's a white kid here, but as an officer, as a human being, skip all the labels first. As a human being, there's another human being that needs help. 
So first thing I do, he says, got used to the bathroom. I look toward the cash register. There's no cashier there. I said, okay, well, let's, let's find somebody that can help you. So I'm walking. I'm like, uh, who you here with? He said, Howie. Like that. I'm assuming in Holly. I said, okay, where is she? Like, I don't know. I got used to bathroom. So I finally, I catch somebody who works there. I'm like, yo, excuse me, where's your bathroom at? He was like, she, uh, she said, the bathroom's over there. I said, okay, cool. I said, little man, yo, the bathroom's over here. Let's go take care of, you know, your bathroom situation. And then from there, we'll, we'll find Holly. All right. So he goes in the bathroom. I said, look, this is far as I go. Like, look, uh, I point you to the door. I said, do you know how to do everything? You know how everything works? He was like, yeah. I said, okay, cool. He goes in the bathroom. Don't close the door. I just kind of take a step off. So you will not catch me. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. So my man, little man, he go use the bathroom and he comes out. I said, okay, you good, little man? He said, yeah, I'm good. I said, I know she didn't wash her hands. He looked at me like, and it's my business. Okay, fair enough. So now we're walking every hour. I said, you said you're here with Holly? He said, yeah. I say, okay, Holly, uh, what color hair does she have? He said, uh, brown. I said, okay, cool. So I'm walking every hour, walking every hour. And I look at the cashier, and she said, unfortunately, this happens a lot. People kind of come in. I guess they go use the bathroom, do drugs in the bathroom, let the kid wander unattended. Okay, cool. So then I'm walking. The little man say, Howie said she was going to buy me a bow and arrow. I said, bow and arrow. Okay, cool. It's the Dollar Store, Dollar Tree, Family Dollar, Dollar General, one of them. I say, look, well, look which, which, which bow and arrow you want? He, I'm like, what about this one? He's like, no, that's not it. I said, oh, okay, awfully picky for an orphan, but fair enough. He said, that's the one, that's the one I wanted. I said, okay, cool, grab it for him, it's $2. Okay, so we're walking toward the cashier to check out. And I see two white ladies. I'm like, and he's so short that the people can't see him over the over the aisle. I said, yo, did one of y'all lose a kid? She was like, yes, I did. I said, oh, okay, well, he's right here. So he runs over there. He said, Howie, Howie. And she was like, I told you to stay somewhere or whatever. And then, like, she also had the bow and arrow, so she paid for it or whatever. And she said, thank you so much, thank you so much. And I just, I, I thought about that situation because that little boy didn't see me as a black man. I wasn't perceived as a threat. I was officer friendly. I was law enforcement. He saw my little badge. He knew he can come to me for help. You know? But on the flip side of that, you know, when, I mean, that's what law enforcement is supposed to be. We're supposed to be for the betterment of everyone. Right? So um, as the George George Floyd case continued, they were saying that, you know, the FBI agent came up and said, yo, just want to let everyone know that we are prosecuting. Are we looking into criminal charges and everything? And they made a point to say, you know, this situation, a similar situation happened in Minneapolis. And typically officers aren't charged, but they made a point to say, well, we got a conviction the last time this happened in Minneapolis and we're going to seek justice. And I looked further into that situation. Well, the last time a situation like this happened with an officer wrongfully uh, killing a person, it was a white woman from Australia. She had got killed by an officer of color. 
I don't know the the specifics necessarily. I remember the story, but yeah, he ended up shooting her and killing her. And see that right there speaks not just to the police uh, unlawful force use. It speaks to the whole. If you are a black person in any field, any uh, authoritarian position, like or shucks, you will be punished if you don't do your job the way it's supposed to be done. A white officer, and I'm not using race, I'm just simply stating in these situations, a white officer can say, I fear for my life and quote unquote accidentally or just unintentionally kill a black person. But this black officer, I'm sure he did not go in there with the intent to kill this Australian white woman, but he did. And the fact of the matter, justice came swift and impartial. So why is it the opposite way when it comes to black men and white officers? I think because we are seen as black men are seen as aggressive, scary, intimidating, just by the skin we're in. And I'm not saying that to, to, to push. I'm just, I've had people tell me that. Well, Tony, you're tall. I didn't have nothing to do with that. Well, Tony, you know, you're black. Again, I, these are not things I've had anything. To, I didn't have a choice in any of these things, you know. And the crazy thing is, later on, that very same day, I talked to one of my coworkers, and he's uh, biracial. He said when he went to uh, the store, no, he went to the gas station, and an, uh, a young teen, white teen, actually spit at him because he was a uh, law enforcement in the same field. I don't know. I, I find that very confusing because once I got finished helping the little boy, the little lost orphan boy. I went to go see my daughter. And she lives in a predominantly white, well, yes, very predominantly white and rural area. So I took her to the get, uh, I took her to the grocery store. She wanted to get some, she wants, she's trying to hand a cook in now. And I had my mask on. I decided I wouldn't take that chance. I had my mask on. And as I'm walking down the aisle, like I see people looking at me. Some people just you know, odd sight maybe. Uh, other people actually said thank you. Like, I know you have a hard job, and I thank you. You know, I don't know if it was condescending or not, but it was very nice to hear, especially in these times. Some people say, if there's one bad cop, all are bad cops. Or, I don't believe that. I can't believe that. Um, because I'm not. And I don't, I don't stand while someone is getting abused. I honestly treat everyone how I would want to be treated. I talk to people how they, how I would want to be talked to. I don't abuse my authority that I've been, quote-unquote, authority I've been given. But I can't, I mean, honestly, I can't say that every officer is like-minded. But if I, if I didn't think that overall... What we were trying to do was right, and the the goodwill that the, the public gives us, 
it's founded, warranted, like we 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 are deserving of that, then I I couldn't be in this field. Okay, so there's that. I will say, real quick, being a black person in a authoritarian authoritative figure, I find that white people privilege still kind of shines through. Okay, so what I mean is this. There have been times where I've been in uniform and again, public servant like I am. I am. I'm there to serve the public, public servant is right in the title. I've been places that I've had to go in my uniform and I'm always make sure I'm F. I, 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 re- I realize I represent that department. I represent the goodwill that we are supposed to give toward the public. Um, but the same thing, I was a black man. I, I've been sitting down for lunch and in a public rest, restaurant, which I don't, I don't like doing that. And this is because you feel like I feel like a target personally. If you got a vendetta against the police, I'm sitting right there eating a six inch foot long or something. But that's besides the point. So I've been sitting down eating lunch, and I've had older people from the from the neighborhood I serve just kind of looking at me, which. Again, that's fine. I can't stop you from looking, but just staring a little too intent. And I'm just waiting for it because I already know what's about to happen. The interrogation. So I eat my food and sometimes people, they don't come up to me, but sometimes they do. Or if I walk past them, they make make a point to make conversation to start the interrogation. And interrogation goes something like this. Oh, uh, what uh, what county do you work for? And it's right there on my shirt. You can read it. I say, oh, um, I work for this county. They say, oh, uh, huh. I didn't know we had a black guy on the force. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you do. Um, But I'm working in jail. I'm not a road officer. It's like, oh, okay. Like, it has to make sense to them. Like, okay, there's an, never mind just, okay, there's there's, there's a police officer. Oh, there's a, there's a correction officer. There's a law enforcement officer. It's like, no, uh, no, I, I think I deserve, I'm sub, I'm held to have answers. You know, and the fact is, I've been there for 12 years. You know, and then they ask, well, oh, you knew? You, you, you're a new guy? You just got there? No, been there for 12 years. Huh, really? Hmm, that's, that's, that's interesting. I don't know why it is. I think it's because it's like, oh, well, there's only white people here. I just assume, which is fine. It doesn't hurt me. It's just... You know, when the last time you walked up to a police officer and was like, hey, so uh, what are you doing here? What, uh, what, uh, hmm. I haven't seen you. Oh, okay. So they, like they don't have to. <laughs> okay. That's, that's another thing. I will say this though. I've been doing this job for a good little minute. When I first got the job, which I almost didn't get the job, but when I first got the job, I moved to this new city. I've been there for about a year. Uh, I had to share a car with my wife at the time. So uh, the, the jail was only a couple blocks from my house. And, you know, if she was out running errands, I would just walk home. You know, I never thought about changing clothes. I said, oh, well, look, I didn't work at the job. I just walk home. Not a big deal. So that's what I would do. I would just walk out the jail in my little uniform, walk down the street. Uh, about a week into doing this, 
I come to work the next morning and I got the the, the shift the previous shift supervisor sitting there looking at me. I'm like, hey, what's up? He say, uh, Tony, I want to let you know we had a call about you. I say, what? A call for what? I, I don't get it. What do you mean you had a call? He said, uh, well, <laughs> some people actually called into the police station and asked if, if they had an escape. And again, I'm not following this line of communication. I'm like, what do you, what do you, what does that got to do with me? And he said, well, uh, the caller said that there's a black man walking down the street. I said, okay, that was me. He was like, yeah, I know it was you. He said, the black man, the caller said, the black man is dressed like a police officer. And my supervisor said, okay. He said, well, uh, did you have any escapes from the jail? Because there's a black man walking down the street dressed like a police officer. He said, no, we didn't. He said, oh, well, he's just, he's just walking down the street. Like, and my supervisor said, okay, well, what do, you, what do you want us to do? He said, I don't know. But uh, my kids, they're scared because there's a black man walking down the street. I looked at my supervisor, and he looked at me, and we both started laughing. And I say, so uh, just out of curiosity, like, what was y'all going to do? Was was I like a wild bear walking down the street? Was you going to, um, you know, how when Yogi Bear used to get too close to the city and the park ranger used to drive up and shoot him with a tranquilizer? I throw a net over and shoot him with a tranquilizer. Like, what, what, am I supposed, what am I supposed to do? And he was like, I don't know, man. You just keep doing you. Keep living. And I find that. I find that funny, but it's also kind of disconcerting. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know the person's kid. I'm pretty sure they saw black people on TV, you know, probably favorite. One of his favorite athletes are probably black people. But I guess to see it in 3D, see it walking down your street, a little scary, you know. I don't, I don't have any answers. I don't. I don't think most of us do, but we have to be open to listen. Um, with that being said, y'all be good. Y'all be sweet. Be understanding. Be kind. You know, don't treat nobody like you wouldn't want to be treated. And this is what I'm going to do. This podcast and maybe the next one, um, all the proceeds come from every listen I get. I'm donating those. I don't know to where yet. I don't think of a good place for it to go. So if you want to help, but you, you know, don't want to help or, you you know, just listen, share, pass it on. The more listens I get, the more money I get, the more money I'm going to donate. All right. Y'all be sweet. Y'all be kind. Um, I got to put the commercial on here. So uh, commercial break. All right. And we're back. I just want to let you know that I've talked to people who are also in the law enforcement field, uh, road officers, uh, jail, uh, corrections officers, and the void, the, the feedback I've gotten is they are angry and frustrated too. Every time a situation like that happens, it makes it, it makes our situation, uh, us, the people who are trying to do our job firm, fair and consistently, it makes our job harder. Now, I told you the story about the little white kid who saw me and just he asked for help. But like in my own neighborhood, 
Like there are people who are told, don't talk to the police. I'm talking about as young as five or six. Don't talk to the police because your police, the police are the ones that killed your uncle Ronnie. Don't talk to the police because they're the ones that came and took your daddy away. You know, maybe justly, maybe unjustly. You know, when I walk down the street in my neighborhood, my uniform, well, like again, when I'm walking my dog, I'm too tired to change my clothes. You know, I just, I get stares, you know, and I've been called out my name, you know, doing my job in the field. I mean, not in the field, but in, in the jail. I'll use the old Uncle Tom, uh, you know, you, oh, you just love these white folk and this, that, and other. It's like, nah, man, I'm just, I'm here for a job. You know, like you got caught. I'm not going to treat you no worse. Some people can be like wounded animals sometimes. Like, when I do my job, I'm there to aid if I can, correct if I need to, you know. But some people have been so abused that they can't trust. And I understand that, too. You know, necessarily, we ain't got to be best friends, but a level of respect is going to go a long way, at least with me. I'm not going to mistreat you, you know. And that's. But when I get pulled over, you know, I don't expect... And that's scary to say. I this is you know I I'm not expecting anything. Me wearing that uniform and me outside that uniform are two separate entities. Perfect example. A couple of days ago, I had to go to a gas station. Now you know everyone's wearing masks. Now that's just what it is. You're supposed to wear your mask, cover your face, keep the corona out your face holes, right? So I got my mask on. I see an armored truck. They're picking up, uh, they changing ATM money. So as I see it, I make a long beeline around it. I don't want them to think I'm going to grab this doorknob or nothing because we already wearing masks. You know, white people just walk right past it looking in the window. Oh, it's a big truck. I bet you got to hit me. And that's fine. That's fine. I know that that, that, that ain't me. That ain't my move. So I make a, a, give it a lot of space so they can't say I'm trying to do nothing, right? So I go into the place. As soon as I go there, I see a Puerto Rican brother, a Hispanic brother. He's got the teardrop tattoo. He's like he's done a little time. You know, you can kind of see how a person moving. He's standing there and he's looking like nervous. I'm like, what's up, bro? And he nods his head over to the to the ATM. Now, the guy's is a brother of uh, ethnicity. I don't know what he was. He looked maybe, you know, Asian in the face or something. Um He's got the he's got the ATM the bottom of it open. He's taking out these bricks of money, you know what I'm saying? He's taking out bricks of money. He's putting in other bricks of money. So I see him. And I'm standing right next to him, and both of us look at each other. We like, yeah, okay. White people are just walking up. They're just going. They're going straight past the man with the money, uh, ATM, and they're going straight to the cash register. They're going to you know get body stuff and get out. Me and this Puerto Rican cat. We are already nervous because if we approach the situation, if we get in line like like everything is gravy, this Asian cat might not see these white customers as a threat, but we don't know how he's going to respond to us. And he's sitting there with a teardrop tattoo. I'm sitting there with my face covered. You know what I'm saying? That's just, we all walk a fine line. And I'm just saying, just be mindful. And uh, if you 
have biases that, you know, in your life, examine them. No one's saying necessarily change them. You should, but at least acknowledge that they're there. Do not be a person that says, oh, I don't see color. Yes, you do. The fact you said that statement is kind of, it's, it's asinine and it, it, it sounds good. But the truth is you see color. A more truthful response is, I see color, but I do not let it affect the way I treat people. I would love to hear that way more than I don't see color, because if you do, you're oblivious to something that's right in your face. All right, fam. Um, a little preachy, I know. But uh, something had to be said. We'll be back with the funny next week or the next episode. Um, yeah, be sweet. Bye.